All right. Hey, my friends, thanks so much for joining me for another episode of Real Live Talk. Really appreciate you guys for taking the time to just check out this episode and to join us today. It's truly just an honor to connect with you in this way and to have conversations like the one that we're about to have and to be able to share uh, these kinds of conversations with you, which are just so um, near and dear to my heart. And so I really just value you guys. Appreciate you for being here. Um, my guest for today is Dr. Carl Ellis, uh, who was on the podcast several months back. And uh, somehow I convinced him to come back <laughs> for another episode. And uh, Dr. Carl Ellis, look, if you didn't catch that last episode, I would encourage you to go back and uh, listen to the first episode that uh, Dr. Carl Ellis and I did together. We, the primary focus of that conversation was really the framework of it anyway, was kind of centered around a book that he wrote 40 years ago at this point uh, called Free at Last, The Gospel in the African-American Experience. Uh, it's an incredible book. I really recommend that you check that book out. Uh, but go back and listen to that podcast if you didn't, because we also get a little bit more of uh, Dr. Ellis's uh, story and how he came into the ministry and came to write the books that he's written and all of these kinds of things. And it was a really, really powerful conversation. It's one of the 90s. It's, I don't remember exactly what number it is, but it's somewhere in the 90s. So check that out. Anyway, Dr. Carl Ellis is the Provost Professor of Theology and Culture at Reformed Theological Seminary. He studied under Francis Schaeffer in Switzerland, uh, Masters from Westminster Theological Seminary. He holds a Doctorate of Philosophy from Oxford Graduate School. Uh, and again, he authored several books, including Free at Last, um, which is a um, really a, a case study. He uses the African-American experience as a case study to demonstrate how God works through history and culture. And um, yeah, just really, really blessed and honored to have the opportunity to chat with uh, Dr. Carl Ellis again. So please join me in welcoming uh, Dr. Carl for the second time to the podcast. All right. Hey. Okay. All right, we can still hear each other, I think. Yes. Yes, I'm sure yeah. we can. Perfect. It works about 50% of the time. So we're already off to a good okay. start. <laughs> All right. All it's right. great to see you, sir. Hey man, it's good to see you. Yeah, thanks so much for agreeing to uh, to do this again with me, and I'm looking forward to getting into um, some more dicey discussions here. <laughs> all right, all right, the dicey uh, the better. Yeah, <laughs> the dicier the better. I agree, I agree. Yeah. Well, um, there's a there's so many things I'd like to talk to you about, and we'll kind of maybe run the gamut here a little bit. Last time you were on, we really spent a lot of time. I wanted to just kind of hear your story and from your perspective, how the Lord led you into the ministry to do the writing that you've done to uh, kind of take this place as a, um, I don't know if the right word is advocate, but for lack of a better word, it just uh, in, in advocate and a mouthpiece for these cultural issues and challenges um, that we've faced collectively as, as a nation, as a group of people, as, as a culture, as different cultures, as dominant and cultures and subdominant cultures, and uh, also as the, as the body of Christ. And I appreciate the work that you've done so much. And uh, so our conversation centered a lot around your story and about the book that you wrote in particular, uh, Free at Last. And I would love, first of all, to get a little bit of an update here just on you and on um, what you've been focusing on recently. 
So I know that um, you have a couple of books that you we actually <clears throat> excuse me you mentioned them on the last episode that at the time I believe you had the manuscripts already done and we're kind of in this process of um, you know putting some some things together some proposals together or something like that and uh, you've been working on a book that's a sequel to Free at Last and then also a companion guide to Free at Last as well as the sequel. I'd just love to know kind of an update on where you are in that process. And if you could, um, you know, don't want to jump the gun here too much if, if it's a problem for you. But I would love if you could just share a little bit about um, what these uh, books are going to uh, be, okay. what they're about and uh, what you're hoping they can, the kind of impact that you're hoping for them to have. Yeah. Okay. All right. Sounds good. So, uh, you know, like with anything, I, I guess I've learned <laughs> shall I say the hard way or whatever, that uh, whenever you write a book, um, you know, after, yeah, after you finish it, you, you, you begin to realize, oh, I should have said this, I should have said that. So I pull it back and revise it and get the, and I keep doing it. I realize, look, just go on and publish the thing and then all that other stuff that comes, you, you just do that in the next book. <laughs> That's kind of what happened. Um, but over the years, um, there are some things that have kind of disturbed me, I guess, about what has happened in the in in African American culture, just in culture in general. And I see us in a great cultural crisis today. Um, one of the things that uh, really disturbs me, I guess, is that there is so much. Like at one time, um, when you think about being an African American, and I'm very pleased that I'm an African American, but the culture. Um, uh, back in the days of the civil rights movement and all that, the early black consciousness movement, there was a lot of positivity going on. But what's happened today is that there has been a, shall I say, a hijacking, let's say, or a, 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 uh, an appropriation of the African-American culture to, toward other things. Um, so it's, it's getting, you know, culturally, Let's put it this way. Ethnically, I'm okay. You know, I'm, I got no problems. I'm, I'm very proud to be an African-American. But culturally, as things are included in what it means to be African-American, a lot of these things that are included are things that I don't agree with, uh, things that I have a problem with. Like, for example, um, what, what, you know, everybody used to say black is beautiful. Well, what makes black beautiful? The, the thing that makes it beautiful is the image of God. That's what it is. And of course, anybody who bears the image of God is beautiful in that sense. Uh, and that's what gave it its power. But nowadays, <clears throat> a lot of people are buying into ideologies and philosophies that <clears throat> deny that truth, deny the truth. And so if it wasn't for the image of God, then what difference does it make to be a human or be an animal? You know what I'm saying? Uh, that whole idea of human dignity comes out of as a direct result of us being created in, in the image of God. And there's a lot of people out today who deny that. And um, mm -hmm. if they deny that, it's like they're, they're, they're cutting off the branch that they're sitting on. And uh, so that's, that, that, that kind of bothers me a little bit. So I, I have some difficulty with what passes as black ideology today, although I do not deny uh, ethnically, you know, being black. It's just like, it's kind of similar to a, a, a conference I recently spoke at in, uh, in Chicago. And the whole idea was, the question was, should we reconstruct evangelicalism? And I said, 
I think evangelicalism is too polluted. I mean, I, I, yes, I believe all the fundamentals of the faith and all the rest of that, but I have a hard time identifying as an American evangelical. Now, when I go overseas, I don't have a problem with it because it's not connected with all these other poisonous things like Christian nationalism and white Christian nationalism and, and, uh, and, and the opposition to all of that, which I call critical Christendom, which is Christians trying to harness critical theory to solve, to solve the problem. Uh, that's just, that's, that's, that's a loser, you know? Wow. So, wow. That's a good point. Your terminology, man, is the best. I love the, I love the terms that you, that you come up with and the terms that you use in your writing. Cause it, it makes things, it makes things very, very clear and it's very, very helpful. I'm, I'm wondering, could you, um, could you maybe go a little bit deeper on what you said or what you're saying about how you feel like a lot of the, um, African-American ideology has been hijacked. I'm wondering if this is an example, because where my mind went when you said that as an example is uh, the Black Lives Matter movement. So, um, of course, of course. Right. And of course, Black Lives Matter as a concept, <laughs> of course, is it's it's as you said, I mean, we are we're image bearers of God. Right. So um, as a as a statement, as a phrase, as something that is um, culturally even helpful uh, I'm on board with I'm on I'm on board with right. that, of course. But the Black Lives Matter movement, I felt like and I know a lot of people feel this way, that in so many ways that there was a hijacking that occurred where a lot of you know African-Americans would look at it and say, this is not our movement. This movement is not for us. This is a movement where I, I mean, honestly, for, as from an, you know, an outsider's perspective, I would say in a lot of ways, I think that um, African-Americans have been exploited yeah. by the movement in order to push other agendas. So just wondering, That's is exactly. that an example? And uh, is, is that something that you can go yeah, this, see? Just like, yeah, just like Black Lives Matter, the organization. Okay, I, I make a distinction between Black Lives Matter, the truth, or a truth, and you know, the organization, of course. Yes. Uh, the Black Lives Matter organization is is really, uh, really when, when I look at how they operate, it's, it's Black Lives Don't Matter. I mean, you know, as an African-American man, oh. I have no place uh, in the, in that. I have no value unless I'm killed by a white cop. Uh, if, if I'm killed by a narrative, a, right? Exactly right. Exactly right. And and so and when I look at what Black Lives Matter supports, it's not it's not about black people at all. It's about LGBTQ um, and all that. I mean that's that's what they're. And I've looked into their into their uh, how they you know what's the basis of their thought. And uh, yeah, there's Marxism, which I totally disagree with. But then even deeper than that, there is uh, spiritism, okay? Um, uh, and, um, you know, communing with the ancestors and all that kind of business. Uh, that is not, that, that is not historically African-American. Um, <clears throat> the, um, uh, yeah, so there's a lot of that going on. Uh, what's happened is that you have this concept of intersectionality, all right? Now, intersectionality as a as a, a a general idea uh it has some validity to it like for example uh i've read some of the stuff of uh kimberly crenshaw and she 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 cites a case uh what was the name of that case anyway it was a, some african-american women who wanted to work for gm and uh and they were discriminated against but the the, the, the thing was is that gm only allowed white women to work in the office 
they didn't allow women to work on the factory floor. So when the black women wanted to work in the office, they said no. But then when they work, wanted to work on the factory factory floor, they said, well, we don't do that. But when they thought about, uh, 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 you know, uh, rights, uh, human rights, when it came to racial justice, they thought only in terms of black men. When it came to gender justice, they thought only in terms of white women. And so there was this concept where if you were a black woman, you got frozen out on both ends. And, and they took it to court and they lost because uh, they couldn't prove. They couldn't prove that they discriminated against race because they had black uh, guys working on the, on the uh, assembly line. They couldn't prove it on gender because they had white women working in the office. So what? So, so Kimberly Crenshaw says there's an intersectionality. There's a, there's a, a you know, black women. You, you, you may not discriminate against black men. You may not discriminate against white women, but you will discriminate against uh, black women. So that, that, that concept was very, very insightful, I thought. But then the problem is then you start, you, 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 you start adding categories that are not of the same uh, validity. Like, uh, okay, my, my DNA can tell you I'm an African-American. That's an immutable fact. I don't care how I bleach my skin or whatever, I'm still an African-American. But they started adding categories of behavior uh, and, uh, you know, that behavior is, is, is changeable, but when they add behavior, uh, your view of sexuality and all the rest of that to this intersectionality thing, then it weakens the whole, the whole, the whole shebang. And what's happened is that the African-American cause in a lot of ways has been subsumed under, uh, intersectionality of today. Now, like I said, the original concept of intersectionality was okay because it was dealing with facts like gender and that kind of thing. But uh, but nowadays it's just uh, behavior. I mean, uh, you know, I could, I can claim I can claim anything as as my identity, which is really isn't an identity. If I try to claim something as an identity, uh, as my uh, full identity, anything short of anything that comes post fall, the fall post fall of man, if I if I make that my absolute identity, then I have to dehumanize myself in order to fit into it. Okay. Um, mm, yeah, and so uh, yeah, you know, so it's, it's so I'm I'm just I'm just a little disturbed about some of the things I see today, and uh, I understand how how people feel the way they do, but uh, I I just don't think people are thinking today uh, very much. Mm. You know, after a while, you, I mean, heck, I can say, well, okay, I can claim uh, the fact that I have a, a, a I don't know, whatever, a, a scratch on the side of my arm as my absolute identity. That's ridiculous. You know, I'm bigger than that. Yeah. So uh, I, I see, I see some things happening, some counterproductive things that are developing, and uh, and that's what it's one of the reasons why I wrote the, the my newest books, uh, my newest manuscript, shall I say? Mm. Uh, I'm probing into that, critiquing that, but not doing it in a in a mean spirited sense. Uh, but I'm just very concerned uh, that uh, you know, you know, look, okay, black is beautiful. But there's more to me than my blackness. I cannot, no. I cannot fit my entire humanity inside of my blackness. It just blackness is not a big enough concept. My ultimate identity is in Christ. Okay, <laughs> I'm in the image of God. That kind of thing. But uh, but yeah. other, other than that, unless we unless we see that, uh, we end up. You know, we can we can claim to be that people are. We, we can claim that we're, we're being dehumanized, 
but it's a tragedy when we dehumanize ourselves. And I, I see that a lot going on. People are dehumanizing themselves. Um, wow. I mean, there's, there's, there's gender dysphoria. And then in some places in the country, there's, there's species uh, dysphoria. There's people who think they're dogs and cats and stuff like that. You know, yeah. I mean, what, what, what are we coming to? You know, and that, that's not confined to the African-American community either. It's, it's just it's, sure. it's a general thing. That's going on. Yeah, sure. Um, so. I, I have two, <laughs> based on what you just said, I have two directions and they're completely different directions and I'm trying to decide which way, um, which way I want to go. But let, let me, let me just kind of, um, in, in reaction to what you just said, uh, I, I do think with this, um, kind of hijacking and th there's been this, there's been this lumping of things together as as you said i believe you used the word convoluted so so, so much of this yeah. has become convoluted and you know we talk about social justice warriors today and it's just like this idea that everything has been so so much of the of the issues of of society have been lumped under this one umbrella and so right. it's almost been and i don't know if it's been i mean i i would imagine that that there's a there's there's purpose behind that that it's that it's intentional uh, to, to you know in in terms of wanting to you know control a certain kind of a narrative but yeah so many things are lumped under and so it's like the it's like the worst thing that you could be called today is is a racist right like it's like yeah. you don't want any you don't want that to happen of, of course and uh <laughs> but it's it's almost like the some of the other issues that you talked about with um uh, you know, like the LGBTQ plus community, there's these issues are are being just kind of all lumped in under this banner of social justice. And yeah. it's it, it distracts from the reality of what's really yeah. happening. And so that that kind of right. convolutedness that you that you were talking about right. there, um, that's a big deal. So is that something that um, you're addressing in in the, in the yeah, book? Yeah, yeah, to a great extent. I mean, look, historically, I'm on record for I have always been, I have always resisted people who wanted to persecute homosexuals, okay, or, or whatever, Absolutely. you know. Yes. Whatever. I, you know, I've always, I don't agree with their lifestyle. I don't accept their lifestyle. Mm -hmm. But from my point of view, they're in the image of God, and and I'm not yes. going to look. If you're gonna, if you're gonna persecute a person of that persuasion, then you got to persecute everybody, you know, because we're all, we all jacked up in some ways but I, i'm on record for having done that and uh and nowadays because i don't affirm all that stuff or or uh, or, or accept it uh that uh, in a lot of people that makes me a, a homophobe or something like that and that's that's crazy you know i'm I, anything but i just because i disagree with somebody doesn't mean that i hate them or like yeah yeah and that and that's yeah. what that's what it's done that that's a really good point that's what the agenda has done it's made it so that if you disagree with me you're persecuting me if you disagree right. with me it, yeah yeah here's the way of, and here's 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 the way it's working you know and, I, and people don't see this but okay first of all you got okay there's a difference between tolerance and acceptance okay uh I don't have to accept something to be tolerant of it. You know what I'm saying? Okay, I can. I, I, I'm tolerant. Okay, uh, I don't agree, but you know, I, I'm not going to, um, you know, try to beat somebody up because of because of their orientation or whatever. Uh, and then what's happening today is that 
the, 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 the concept of, of tolerance has is shifted. You know, not too long ago, you know, to be tolerant meant that you had to accept it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Nowadays, to be tolerant, you have to affirm it. Mm. If you don't affirm it, then you're considered intolerant. Well, I don't affirm it, you know, um, but I'm not, in, I'm not intolerant. I'm, you know, I'm, uh, I, I, don't, I, can't, I can't control people. I, I, uh, people, I, people do what they want to do, you know, uh, yeah. but I don't, I, I'm not going to affirm it. Tomorrow, it'll come around to the point where in order to not be intolerant, you have to participate. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. There's a certain, there's, yeah. there's a certain two cities in the Bible, you know, we, 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 we see, they say, how did that happen? You know, it didn't happen all of a sudden. It happened gradually, you know, and, uh, yes. uh, and, and if you, and if you look at the reasons why God gives for destroying Sodom and Gomorrah, it wasn't because of their behavior so much, you know, their sexual behavior. It was because it says it in Ezekiel 16, 49, it says they were overfed, unconcerned, Lack, you know, did, didn't care about the media and whatnot. They were so self-indulgent that that led to this other behavior and all that. So um, it's it was more of a a symptom. Of, of, you know, we get we all get all upset about the symptoms, but we don't look at the at the causes. And when people when people uh, lack uh, an understanding of who they are, um, then they're they're gonna they're gonna grab at anything. You know, I mean, you know, don't. Don't criticize me for drinking a, a cup of dirty water when I'm about to thirst, die of thirst. Okay, if, if I'm about to mm -hmm. die of thirst and you set a cup of dirty water in front of me, I'm going to drink it. You have you know? to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know. Um, I, I certainly understand <laughs> things like that. Yeah. But I, I certainly, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very concerned when I see people getting, um, getting. Uh, swept off into things that it's just like that. It, it's just like people just don't think anymore. You know, um, yeah. they don't think like they should. Uh, uh, we and of course we've uh, we've totally dumbed down critical thinking in our schools and all that. So, uh, what what do you expect? You know. So yeah, those those are some of the things that uh, that that concern me. Those are some of the things that I address. I mean, like for example, uh, like like you take Christian nationalism, for example, that has poisoned. <laughs> A lot of evangelicalism, you know, Christian nationalism is basically uh, conf uh, conflating Christian identity with an American identity, okay, or Christian identity with a a right. sociological outlook. Like, for example, I hear on TV people refer to, you know, they, they use the term Christian conservatives, and that just that just just gets under my craw. Uh, it. Look, I am not a conservative. I am a I I, I follow Jesus. Okay, it makes me agree with conservatives a lot. Yeah, sure, I agree with a lot of things conservatives say, and but I also agree with some things that liberals say. But I don't have enough agreement with either one of them to call myself one. So I'm not a conservative. I'm not, I'm not a liberal because both of those uh, choices uh, they have some truths and there, and there are some untruths. There are some anti-biblical things in there. And I'm, and I'm not going to be defined by that. Um, so, uh, mm. that's why, you know, it's funny in, in even the emails my wife and I get, some people call us radical Marxists, you know, <laughs> and other people call us Uncle Tom's. <laughs> so what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You know, that's so, the um, spectrum. That's the spectrum right there. There's, 
That's, yeah. 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 Those are the bookends. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it, you know, it, it's, Hey, you know, so what? I mean, it, it, you know, call, if, if you, it, I don't care what you call me. I, I just don't even, you know, I don't even care. Uh, uh, yeah. I, all I know is that I'm going to do what the Bible says. I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to have a biblical outlook. And if, if you don't like that, then that's, that's, that's your, that's, that's on you. You know, not, I'm not going to uh, beg anybody to uh, like me or anything else like, else like that. But, uh, you know, it's an exciting life though. It's a kind of an exciting time to be a Christian in, in a lot of ways, you know? I mean, I, I think of the way it was back in the fifties, you know, when everybody was a Christian, you know, it's just like, mm-hmm. I, I live in Chattanooga, you know, for many years, everybody in Chattanooga was born again, but there weren't a whole lot of Christians around, you know? <laughs> So, so at least I don't know. At least it makes it makes it makes the issues very clear. You know, uh, it it mean it, it, it's 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 the more the more time passes, the more radical being a Christian is. You know, and I kind of like that. I like mm. to be radical. Wow, man, I can listen to you all day. I, the the <laughs> I, the the <laughs> the way that you put things, it, it makes it very very simple and very very practical. And um, you know. Yeah, I, I think, man, you, you mentioned a minute ago about um, the next step in this journey of, of the things that are being put in front of us, the way that society is prevent, presenting us with things, that the next step is really going to be like forced participation or, or something yeah, like that. I was thinking about yeah. how to, to an extent, not forced participation, but to an extent, I would say um, for sure, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Encouraged participation. I think we're at that level, you know, like I think about the the sex positivity movement and how basically yeah. like anything that's not monogamous, you know, within the context of marriage between a man, a man and a woman, you know, sexual relations, like anything outside of that or, or excuse me, everything beyond that is basically sex positive. <laughs> you know, like, right. like I mean, it's they're not calling sex positivity some of the, you know, darker end of the spectrum yet but the but i mean you know if you're if you're within the confines of what the bible shows us as the plan of god like that's not considered sex positive but there's all these other you know things that are kind of being touted as something that's very very positive and we've seen the the pendulum really kind of swing i I mean I'm, i'm hoping all the way you know getting close to the end where maybe it'll start to come back a little bit as people start to realize the deception of some of these things you know i think that in some ways you know the pendulum swings so far you hope that there's enough stability left as a society to recognize uh you know what this isn't working i think there's a lot of people that have woken up to the fact that you know wokeness woke ideology and like all this kind of stuff is not yeah (laughs) Woke today is unwoke, you know. Yeah, five years ago, five or six years ago, if you asked me if I was woke, I'd say yeah, you know. Right. And and I understood woke to mean I'm I'm aware of the the issues and stuff, you know. But now if you ask me if I'm woke, I say no, you know, because the the whole thing has shifted. See, that's one of the frustrations. I got a lot of stuff out there on cyberspace, right? And uh, and I use certain terminology. Like, uh, you know, I just use certain terminology that was descriptive. Uh, but nowadays, these words have the, the words, the meanings of these words have changed, you know, and it's a yeah. it's a very difficult uh, thing. It's just like just like I talk about a side and B side theology. OK, I've been saying that for for many years, you know, and these folks in St. Louis come up with this concept of side A and side B is whether or not you accept 
or affirm LGBTQ. And, and, and my side, A, side B, has nothing to do with that. But whenever ever I use that terminology, which I've been using for decades, you know, uh, you know, some people think, you know, they, they think of that. So now I think I'm, I'm not sure if I'm going to change it to alpha and beta or something or other. I don't know. I'm going to, I might, I might just change it around, but it just, it just, it's a, it's a, it's a crazy thing. You know? Things are just, you know, the language is changing so much and it becomes, um, it, it becomes a difficult uh, thing, thing to, uh, to keep, but I can't keep up with it. You know, like, for example, yeah. all these pronouns, I tell people from the jump, I say, look, I am not going to get into that pronoun thing. I mean, I'm just, I'm just, if, if I try, it's too complicated. I don't have the kind of bandwidth to do that. It's just too complicated because yeah. if I try, I'm going to mess up anyway. So I might as well say, look, I'm going to stay with the old, just the regular English. I don't mean any harm by it. You know, if I say he or she, you know, whatever. Um, well, it's not that I'm being mean. It's just that it's just too much. It's just too much. It's, it requires right. bandwidth beyond ability. Right. I I think that um, that we're we're striving we're striving for compassion. We're we're striving to Absolutely. display the love of Christ. You know, authentically and and as yeah, as accurately as possible. I I think that you know as again as you said if the if the language and the terminology and what's okay and what's not okay, they just keep shifting. The landscape keeps shifting on your feet. It's like, okay, well, I mean, that's, that's not my, my intention. Right. So at some point, like right. your, your, your ideology is, is asking me to conform blindly to what you say you are or how you identify or, you know, these, diff these different things. But at the right. same time, right. like you're not giving me any leeway on my end to, to, to adjust or to, you know, you're not, you're not right. trying to give me the same kind of kind of leeway or the benefit of the doubt even to say, you know, like my my stance and like what I believe, as you said, uh, um, I, you know, my, my what I believe, it doesn't change the way that I view you as a person, as an image bearer of God. It doesn't change right. the fact that I I affirm your personhood and you you deserve you're a valuable human being created in God's image. You, d you deserve um, to be honored. You, you deserve to be uh, revered. You deserve to be placed in high esteem. I don't agree with your lifestyle because, and I can show you, you know, some examples of why I don't believe it lines up with, the, with Scripture and with God's Word, but it doesn't mean that I think less of you as an individual. And they, they try again, as you said, to hijack the language so that you automatically end up lumped in with a particular group or in a particular category and you know it becomes this whole us and them mentality where you're now fighting from a place of disadvantage trying to prove that you're not you know one of those right. people you know right, right. yeah I, I i don't even participate in that anymore i just yeah. say well look you're gonna think you're gonna think what you're gonna think i know who i am i know you know i know whose i am and uh, uh you know i'll i'll i i if you want to be friends, I, I can be friends. If you don't, well, there's nothing much I can do. I'm not going to know, stoop down to hate you or anything like that. So it, yeah, it becomes a, a very difficult. It, it's it, in the name of tolerance, we become intolerant. That's right. We become very, and uh, those are the kind of things that I, I talk about in my new manuscripts. I talk about, uh, you know, like we, you know, we are in the midst of just everything is dysphoria you know what i'm saying and uh mm. and we don't know who the heck we are anymore um wow and all that's gonna all those chickens are gonna come home to roost i mean you know we're going to be uh 
we're, we're going to be totally, if we continue to go the way we're going, we're going to be totally messed up. But the whole fabric of society, one of the things that concerns me about, about this country is that, okay, it's not perfect, you know, and I'm, you know, I, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm on record of critiquing racism and stuff like that. So it's no, you know, that's, that's no surprise, but, um, and, and racism still exists. Uh, things are not like they used to be. I mean, I remember when Jim Crow was Jim Crow, you know what I'm saying? But, uh, but on the other hand, um, I, I look at the core values on which this country was founded. They were pretty good. Um, I just got back from Cuba, okay, and I've seen the result of socialism and communism and, and all the damage that it's done. And it's it's just it's sad. It's very sad. But um, uh, the, the core values, you know, there there are two there are two schools of thought out there, okay. One school of thought says the reason we have problems is because we're not true to our core values. So the civil rights movement came along and said, America, be true to your core values. You know, this is what you say you are. Be true to that. It appealed to the core values. Today, the idea is that the core values themselves are the problem. So we want to throw those away. And, uh, and so you throw the core values away. What do you have to appeal to? The civil rights movement never could have gotten off the ground today because there's no general agreement about what the core values are. And uh, we, wow. we, we get into trouble when we, when we leave those things behind. So this country was founded on some pretty good core values. Unfortunately, we haven't lived up to them. I mean, who does live up to whatever, you know? But uh, I, I uh, you know, every time I go overseas and I come back here, uh, you know, I know it's not perfect, but I'm kind of glad to get home. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's nice to go overseas, but it's nice to be home. And I'm not one of these, you know, flag-waving kind of, fanatical kind of guys. But on the other hand, I, I appreciate um, I appreciate a lot of things here. It's not perfect. And I'm gonna I'm gonna see uh, I'm doing all I can to make it better, you know what I'm saying? Mm, but as yeah. a child of God, I mean, you know, um, what I do, you know, trying to be salt and light, I mean I am hoping to uh, to be a, a witness to the glory of God, you know, in, in terms of what I do. So um, so those are the, those are the things I think I think we've kind of lost our we've kind of lost our balance in a lot of ways. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, and I think I think it's time. I, you know, it's a great time for a, a, a reformation and a revival here. If, if only the church would wake up and recognize we have a we have a tremendous challenge in front of us and a, and a tremendous opportunity at the same time. That's right. That's and right. I hope we're able to see it see it as as the, as the opportunity. That's right. Yeah. No, that's really, really well said. And that's really, really helpful. Um, you mentioned something uh, a couple minutes back. Uh, you mentioned uh, side A and side B theology. Uh, I'd yeah. like to ask you to um, just kind of briefly uh, define, define what, what, what that means. Oh. Uh, one uh, of the things that right. I was kind of curious about talking to you about today sort of the different stances that we take with theology uh, when we kind of adapt a, a cultural theology um, or, you know, a theology that just kind of conforms to, yeah, to our, our culture or to a particular uh, group or even right. an ideology or something like that. And I think that um, a, a lot of, a lot of it, uh, or oftentimes it comes from, 
this place what you term side A and side B theology of where yeah. my where yeah. my focus lies. And then within right. that, there's nuance. But right. um, but right. yeah, if we could maybe maybe start from there, and I, I'd like to just kind okay. of get your uh, your your definition of what what that's about. All right, all right. Let's okay. Theology is the application of God's word by persons in every area of life. Now that, mm -hmm. that definition was given to me by one of my seminary professors named John Frame. I, I think it's a revolutionary uh, thing. People say theology is a study of God. Well, it is that, but it, I think it's more than that. And the other thing too is that all theology is done in context. There's no such thing as a, as a as an objective theology. Uh, even God, in in the act of revealing Himself in the Bible, did it in context. You know, uh, wow. When He told told people, He says, "Your your righteousness will be more majestic than the cedars of Lebanon." Okay, you know, I, I've never been to Lebanon. I have no idea what those cedars look like. But He's but He's comparing things like that. You know what I'm saying? Um, uh, the whole his whole use of the covenantal uh, framework, uh, you know, that's the, uh, it's all contextual, and so the Bible is contextual, and all theology is contextual. All theology is culturally and historically determined. Uh, like for example, um, the the Nicene Creed, they, the guys didn't just come up with it out of the blue. I mean, they were responding to a challenge by Arius. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that's a good point yeah. about the nature of Christ. Or the five points of Calvinism didn't Calvin didn't make those things up, uh, you know they were they were being challenged by the five points of Arminianism. You know what I'm saying? So all theology is in, in context. Okay. Having said that, uh, theology then, in my view, when I talk about A side and B side, uh, uh, I, I, I say that a lot of theology is there's there's two sides of um, knowledge. I guess you can say you can talk about. Uh, uh, or it's too, yeah, it's, it, it, when it comes to scriptural truth, there is the epistemological side, that is what we should know about God, okay, what we should know about God, and that's that's good stuff, I studied that when I was a seminary, great stuff, to understand about the communicable and the non-communicable attributes and things like that, good stuff, good stuff, but then there's the other side, the ethical side, so there's the epistemological side, the ethical side, the epistemological side, focuses on what you should know about God. The ethical side focuses on how you should obey God. And the problem is that the theology, when we think of theology, we think of Western theology, which is predominantly, it's much stronger on, on, on the epistemological side than it is on the ethical side. I have to say that because how else can I explain uh, people like uh, 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 John Wesley and, uh, and, and Whitfield who, who, from my point of view, were both moral failures. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I appreciate the the, the contributions that they've made. I mean, you know, I, I, I'm not going to go and tear uh, Psalms the Psalms out of my Bible because David uh, committed adultery. You know what I'm saying? But right. I'm saying that these right. guys, uh, because because they participated in this horrible institution called slavery. You know, yeah. I can't yeah. uh, consider them heroes of mine, although I appreciate. The fact that God can use anybody, you know what I'm saying? Wow. Um, so the problem with our theology is that we were mostly on the epistemological side. We knew all about God, but we didn't know how to obey God. We didn't know how to treat people. Um, so that's, there's your side A, side B. Side A is the epistemological, what we should know about God. Side B is how we should obey God. And I might say that as I read my Bible in this 
context. When I was to read my Bible, it is predominantly a a a a, a, a side B oriented uh, book. Hmm. Uh, there isn't a whole lot about you know. I mean, I don't see anything in the Bible about um, superlapsarianism and things like that. Uh, <laughs> I, see, I see I see things about loving your neighbor and that kind of business. You know what I'm saying? And um, and so I'm not I'm not saying that we should have one or the other. I'm just saying that right. we need to have balance. We need to have balance. Because if you do all side, you know, if you do all the ethics without the epistemological side, you can get caught up in moralism or something like that. And mm. if you do the other side, you get caught up in scholasticism. And that's one of the problems of the American church, I think, is that we've been more, I mean, how in the world can I explain the Bible-believing church going along with Jim Crow as long as it did? You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. I, I, yeah, I mean, I, look, and I, and I have to say this, that I cannot... I, I don't speak from, from a, a position of being perfect. So, you know, so as one center to another, I know, you know, I know that uh, nobody, nobody's perfect. But uh, so that's, that, that's, that's kind of what I talk about, um, the two sides. And one of the things that's interesting, though, is that, okay, we talk about theology in context. There is theology, there is such a thing as Western theology. I mean, it, you mm-hmm. know, because the theology developed, the, the theology in the West, developed under the challenge of unbelieving philosophy and science you see so so it's very much more much more side a oriented much more epistemological yeah. uh as a matter of fact they, they developed a whole new language to, to to do theology in you know what i'm saying um but let's say the theology that came out of the african-american church you know the african-american experience it's much more on the ethical side because here's the people who are suffering a lot of oppression and everything and they understood mm-hmm. god on that side you know uh, you hear this all the time uh, in, in the oral tradition. Um, uh, I'm going to treat everybody right. All kinds of things like that. Um, there's this ethical side. And that's one of the things that drove the civil rights movement, by the way. It was, it was that ethical, that B-side or ethical-oriented theology. Um, and I, I look at how God judges people in the world. I, I don't see too many judgment scenes in the Bible where a person is condemned for not having the right points of doctrine. Not that doctrine is not important, right. but I see God condemn a lot of people for ethical failures. And hmm. it seems to me that that's a common denominator uh, by which God judges everybody. And I think we need to pay attention to that. Um, wow. So, uh, you know, and I, so anyway, so I, what I'm pushing for is, I mean, I, I, lo- I, I, I appreciate the theology that we've gotten from the West. I, I really do. I, I mean, I love it. I, I get caught up in the systematic theology all the time. But on the other hand, though, we have to recognize that that's not all there is to it. You know, uh, hmm. there's these other things, uh, and uh, yeah. we have to be much more rounded. Yeah. So yeah. I like to see a day when when we don't have a, an ethical and an epistemological. I like to see it one of they come together as just theology. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, um, I'm, I might have a hard time formulating what I'm thinking or, you know, putting it into okay. words, but I'm thinking, I'm thinking about how, okay. So, and, and last time you were, you were on the, the podcast with me, you talked about dominant groups and subdominant groups, right? And when you're a member of the dominant group, in whether we're talking about a nation, a community, a church, you know, whatever we're talking about as far as the context. But when you have the, 
the benefit of being a member of the dominant group, you have a tendency to think that you're that you don't have a cultural bias or you don't have a, you don't have a, you don't have a bias one way or another because to you, it's the standard, it's the normal thing. And so I could come in as a white person, as a member of whatever, I'm, you know, whatever organization or whatever group I'm, I'm talking about or whatever. And I can say something that, you know, to me, I'm just like, well, you know, uh, well, well, you know, brother Carl, you just, you just got to preach the gospel. It doesn't have to be white or black. It just, you just got to preach. And, and so I'm coming, I'm like, I'm saying that from a, a place of not recognizing the fact that in the particular setting, I might be a member of a particular group who has had the, the, the privilege or, you know, <laughs> the whatever of, uh, I, I use quotes around privilege, but 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 yeah. the, you know the privilege or the, or the or the benefit of operating from a, a a place that's been the the accepted standard. It doesn't mean that it's it doesn't mean that it's right or wrong. It's the it's, it's the accepted exactly. standard. Yeah. So you know I can kind of default to a particular kind of thinking, and so that's why I think that the white evangelical church you know, kind of fell into a trap over the past couple of years. Not that it didn't go on before that, but I mean, with throughout the election cycle and stuff like that in particular, and, and a lot of stuff really kind of came to a head. I think that the, the, the white evangelical church fell into a trap of saying that we're the spokespeople for the church in America, because that's kind of been in their world. It had been the acceptable mode of doing things for so long. And then we can say, well, you don't need to bring in your, brand of theology you don't need to bring in your brand of you know cultural bias or whatever you just need to do this you just need to and it's like well that's your way of doing things you don't see it that way because you've had you've lived in this bubble of this is what's quote-unquote acceptable for so long and so um yeah yeah that, that, that that that's it exactly i mean you know look everybody else who speaks english speaks with an accent except me come on I'm 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 not from the south. I'm from the north. I don't have an accent. You Southerners have an accent. Right, and everybody has an accent. I don't think I have an accent until I go over to England or South Africa or somewhere. And I say, oh yeah. wow, I do have. It's like, an oh, accent. these people talk funny. <laughs> Look, maybe right. you're the one who talks funny. That's right. Well, I see. See, okay, the White Evangelical Church uh, got well, yeah, it got in, into a pickle because it wasn't it wasn't true to its own scripture. Um, you know, again, the, the Evangelical Church in America. Okay, I, I talked about talked about reconstructing evangelicalism. I said it's not even possible because it's so messed up. We need to strike right. off, just read our Bibles, pursue the kingdom of God, and let the ships fall where they may. But uh, one of the things that 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 happened, the the church conformed, the, the evangelical church conformed to the the cultural sin of, uh, of of racism and segregation, and so because of that, it split the body up so that. You know how, how it is that one part of the body hurts, the other uh, other part hurts? Well, if we were separated so much that, you know, here these Christian brothers and sisters were suffering over here, but the other group, they didn't, they they were anesthetized, you know, the other part of the body. And uh, and so, and so yeah, I mean, you know, um, uh, and it's, it's, it's caused some problems. I mean, you know, it, it really has... One of the reasons I write the things that I write, I say the things that I say, is because I'm trying to, I'm trying to share with people 
who, in my view, have had a, a, a tremendous amount of toxic waste dumped on them from the uh, evangelical industrial complex. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm in the hood and I talk to these young men and, 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 and their impression of Jesus is atrocious. You know what I'm saying? Yes. It's like right. this, 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 this uh, androgynous, uh, you know, guy who wouldn't last for 49 seconds in, in anybody's neighborhood. You know, how in the world can, can, yeah. can a gang member follow him? You know what I'm saying? And so I got to spend a whole lot of time debunking all of that. De, uh, what's the word? Uh, de, deconstructing. Whatever. Yeah, right. Deconstructing all that. And the more I do that, and, and then, uh, okay, think, okay, I'm, I'm going to really hit a sacred cow here. <clears throat> Everybody touts the Jesus film, right? You know, look, I, when I first heard of the Jesus film, everybody in the cast is Palestinian except one. Oh, great. So who was the one who was not Palestinian? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I mean, come on. Get, let, let's be real about this thing, you know. Why wow. is that? Um, and, and it's still those kind of things um, hmm. that it, it, it makes it much harder for guys like me who are, you know, to minister in places that I'm constantly dealing with this toxic, this cultural toxic waste, you know, and uh, wow. people have no idea, you know, how, 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 how uh, discouraging that is, you know what I'm saying? Um, hmm. And so uh, anyway, I, uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. The, the problem, and it pro it's a problem. This is not a racial problem so much. It's a problem of power. It's a problem of being the dominant group and the subdominant group. You know, some people say, well, um, I've heard it said that uh, black people can't be racist, you know, right? You know, because because to be right. racist, you know, this, this this is what I hear: racism is is prejudice plus power. Okay, uh, let's right. go along with that. Racism is prejudice plus power. So if I don't have the power to alter your life uh, by my prejudice, then I can't you be can't considered be racist. a racist. Yeah. Right. However, let's say a situation where I'm in the majority. Okay, it's a, it's a black majority, and there's a few white folks around. You know, then the tables are turned. That, in that case, yeah, you can be racist. You can alter somebody's life mm -hmm. uh, by your 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 prejudice because you have the power to do it. So even if you define it that way, you you know, everybody can be racist. I mean, you know, because we're we're we're, we're fallen human beings. You know, we have a tendency. Our ten, our problem is that we have a a human-centered mode of thinking. You know, this started all the way back in the garden when God said, look, you know, a lot of people think that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was the tree of the information of good and evil. It wasn't that at all. It was, hmm. they, they knew what good and evil were um, because they knew it by way of the word of God. They, they knew that the word of God expresses the character of God and on the basis of God, you determine what good and evil are. They, they understood that. The temptation was, who's going to be the one who defines what good and evil? Is it going to be God, based on his word, or is it going to be your opinion? Hmm. Yeah. And, uh, so Adam and, Adam and woman, they made that mistake. They said, well, we're going to be the ones, the final determiner of who good and evil, what good and evil is. Are. So hmm. uh, they, wow. uh, and that was, that, that's our problem ever since. You know, look, every, every form of prejudice or whatever, or bigotry, uh, you know, um, 
cultural imperial culturalism you know it's just when you when you judge every other culture by the standard of your culture or sexism judging the other genders the the other gender by the standard of your gender on and on and on right. judging other races by the standard of your race so when you become the standard of judgment then everything else is inferior because nothing can live up to what you are <laughs> you know wow. and that's that, there there's a universal problem we all have a tendency to do that we are not not we all have a tendency we all do that you know um so um so i i understand it in that way and i i know that uh uh, you know, I, I just know that, look, we all got this problem and what we need to do, we come to Christ and uh, we can, the only way to, to, to overcome some of that, and, and even if though, though we do come to Christ, we're going to have problems anyway. I mean, look at the book of Acts, look at the, you know, look at the letters of Paul. I mean, look at the Corinthians for crying out loud. I mean, you know, um, so, yeah. uh, but the thing is, the problem is that we have to get on the road toward redemption and and, uh, and transformation. Yes. Um, and uh, apart from that, we're, you know, we're we're lost. We're lost. Mm. Yeah. So so it's so it's the dominant cultural issue. Um, that's that's the issue right there. And uh, yeah, it's whoever has the power in a in a particular situation. You know, America. In America, you know, it's it's, it's white folks that are the dominant culture. But then you look at it globally, you know. Then all of a sudden, we're not dominant, you know. Although we have um, a lot more power than our numbers would indicate because of the the technology and all the rest of that kind of stuff, you know. I, I in, you know, places I go in the world, I see American stuff, you know. People wearing our clothes and all that. So that's that's mm -hmm. cultural power, but it's uh, but it's 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 wielded. The wheel power is wielded by sinful people, and yes. so uh, <clears throat> yeah. That yeah. problem is uh, I think one of the problems of today is that everybody's demanding perfection. Everybody's demanding perfection. Yes. And uh, you know, the, the problem is when you demand perfection, then then you're being you're being self righteous because you are the you are the standard of judgment that determines what's perfect or you know, what's That's perfect right. or not. It's the same old sin that came up in the garden. Same thing. <clears throat> so, man, that's so helpful. Um, when we when so when we start talking about <coughs> gospel, right? Um, how how do we? How okay. does it? Yeah. I'm just, I'm just trying to think here. How how do we present the gospel in a way that you know, it's inclusive okay. of everybody or, or that it addresses the needs of everybody and not just, you know, the group or the the people yeah. or the type of person or, you know, whether we're talking about ethnicity or we're talking about uh, social status or um, economic status or, you know, whatever, but that we're not just addressing the people that we most closely identify with, but how do we preach and or present the gospel? Because presenting okay. the gospel to people is the role of everybody, not just those behind pulpits and stuff like that. It's it's for all of us as we walk through life in the context of where God has called us to be and all of that kind of stuff. So it's like, how do we begin to um, operate or maybe even we maybe even starting in a in a more basic place than that? How do we begin to recognize the these schematomas and these blind spots that we have naturally as these kind of natural preconceived biases that we just have 
because we are part of that group and we've always been a part of that group. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with being a part of, of, of that group. It's, it's who you are. Right. But I do think that as the people of God, we need to be willing to grow beyond the confines of, you know, where, we, because otherwise then I go, as you said, like if, if I'm walking into, you know, the hood, as you said, and, and talking to some of the people that you've been talking to, and I'm coming at them with the only thing that I know, which is my brand of, you know, bubble based white evangelicalism, you know, and, and I don't think that I, you know, I, I thank I thank the Lord that I've you know personally had the opportunity to experience things outside of that. So I don't think that that's necessarily my bubble, so to speak. But I know that I still have biases and preconceived things that I would bring into that conversation, and maybe unintentionally, probably almost certainly unintentionally, put things on people. And so, look, so, sorry to uh, to take so long to set this question up for you, um, but it just in, in I just went back to something from our first conversation. In our first conversation. <laughs> You shared about your kind of upbringing and how you knew about God from a young age, but you didn't actually know him. And when you got into your teenage years, you were in this place where you were you were actively looking for God. You were actively searching for God. The problem was that what was presented to you over and over again was religion, whether it was from Christianity or if it was from Islam, whatever it was, you were presented with religion over and over again, and you were there looking for God. I think that that's a big issue, a big problem that goes on. I think there's people all around us that are looking for God, whether they realize it or not, and maybe they don't even realize they're looking for God. They're just looking for an answer. They're looking for hope. They're looking for a solution to the mess that they're in that they can't get themselves out of, and they've tried everything else, right? Whatever it is, there's people all around us that are looking for truth, and they're looking for answers. And we don't answer their questions because all we know how to do is present them with something religious to adhere to, become like this. I think you called it, um, you called it uh, 20, 20th century circumcision or something like that. It's like, this is what yeah, you have yeah, to yeah. do as part of our group. So fix this yeah. part. <laughs> yeah, it blew my mind, man. I love it. And, and it's just the, the stuff that we do, kind of marry these two um, you know, things that I'm talking about together here to, 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 uh, you know, give you a, <laughs> a question, but it's like, um, if that's all that we can do, if people are looking for answers, but all that we can do is present them with religion. I think I might, you know, I wonder, well, first of all, what does that say? <laughs> what does it say about me? It probably says that I actually don't know him well enough. And but. so that's something for me to check in my own life. But at the same time, it's like, you know, I can I can approach people in life with great intentions, with the intention of wanting people to come into the kingdom and wanting to get to know God and wanting to you know, do all these things. But, I, you know, how do we begin to address our own personal you know, biases, recognize them so that we can begin to, you know, move past them? You know, even though I, I do think that there's there's probably a, a reality to. You know, there, there's a certain kind of person that I might never be super adept at ministering to um, because, you know, there's other people that have come out of their particular lifestyle or that relate to them in a different way. Not that I can't talk to them and have conversations and lead them to Christ. But I'm, so I'm not, I'm not saying that, uh, you know, we all need to be amazing at ministering to every single person. I think that's why we're the body of Christ. We complement each other. We're 
you know, in those areas where we do fall short. But at the same time, how do we begin to address these biases so that we can be more authentic and just more able to present the gospel and the goodness of Jesus to those around us and not just to the ones that, you know, we identify with our cultural sphere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a great uh, that's a great question. It's one I wrestle with all the time. Yeah, right. I've been thinking about you know how do I do apologetics? I mean, you know, uh, how, what's the best way to do it? Uh, yeah. You know, I learned all this apologetic stuff in seminary and everything, but I'm I just I just don't run into I don't run into atheists in, in, in the hood, you know, wherever, you know. But anyway, having said that, I have found this that the thing that helps me out is. Uh, God has shown me that what I need to do when I talk to somebody, I need to get to their what I call their core concerns. Their 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 core core concerns are are are, are composed of issues and values. Okay, the, the, the values that shape your life and the issues that you wrestle with. These, when I say these issues of values, these are life controlling and life defining issues and values. I try to get to that. Try to get you know. So whenever I talk to someone, I, I I don't start off talking about Jesus. I start talking about what are their what are their core concerns. Uh, and uh, so uh, so so once I find those things, then I begin to apply scripture directly to those things. I don't you know I don't. I don't use a formula, you know, like the Roman road and all that. I mean, I have respect for all that, but I, it just doesn't, <clears throat> in my circles, it doesn't really work out, work out that well. And one of the things that, that gets, you know, one of the things that's most, most effective is that I, I, I get them to see, you know, okay, why do people do what they do? I mean, why, why do people take drugs? Why do they get drunk? You know, things like that. I, I have, I, I don't have a problem with people who want to escape like that because this is a fallen world. It's messed up. Yeah. Um, and how, how do you deal with it? Well, the thing is, if people know that there's something wrong, then the question is, then what is right that makes this wrong? You know, if you, if, if you think that something is messed up, then on what basis do you say it's messed up? And so what I communicate to them is to say, okay, it's not right. So what, what would be right? What would be right? And then they begin to articulate that and say, well, where do you get that from? You know? Um, and the reason that you know you have a sense of what should be is because you're in the image of God. And, uh, you know, and, uh, uh, and that, you approach it that way. And, uh, and then you begin to answer their questions. You begin to uh, uh, deal with their issues. You apply scripture. There's several ways you can do that. I mean, you know, sometimes I will apply a biblical narrative um, mm -hmm. to somebody. You know, I'll say, oh, yeah, you remind me of, Mef 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 I can't say it, Mephibosheth. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> yeah. And then I go on and, and, and tell the, the, the story. Here's this young man who's handicapped. He's living in the projects, you know, all that. These secret servicemen come and pick him up. I mean, you know, I, I try to contextualize it. Um, and then what happens is that is that they say, oh wow, there's somebody like me, and so they might be curious to read about that. Well, once, if, you, if they start reading scripture, they're on they're on a slippery slope, you know. But the thing is um, that you got to be centered on the person you're talking to. You know, what are their core concerns? What are their what are their core issues? 
what are their what are their core values? If if they express a core value to me, I say, you know, Jesus said that when he said da 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 da. da. So you know, yeah. uh, and so uh, and so, uh, and and you you build it from there. Um, sometimes it, it takes a long time to get get them to see things, but uh, it's. On the other hand, let's say I talk to somebody and I don't bring them to the the place where they uh, where they uh, say the sinner's prayer. Okay, hmm. well, I, you know, God is sovereign. You know, if 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 this person, if if, if what I've done is it been in obedience, then uh, somebody else will come along and take them take them further. You know what I'm saying? So yes, um, I don't I don't you know it's 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 not a matter of um, it, well it's it's a matter of really trying to focus on in on the person themselves and oh God, and, and what they're uh I got this crazy light coming in on me through my blinds but anyway can you hang on for a second yeah, yeah let, let me let me pull the, yeah let me pull the shade down so I've been trying to avoid that oh where's my shade there it is uh, I'm sure you're fine okay all right that's I'm, I'll, that's I'm surprised that it hasn't happened to me yet the sun must not yeah <laughs> yeah Don't okay that, that's that, that's better uh, yeah, it's it's a matter of um, you know uh, yeah, uh, one of the things that that impresses me about Jesus is that, that he went around, you know, when you talk to the woman at the well, you know, he he knew what her situation was, but uh, he just kind of asked her questions that were appropriate, and then finally he lets her know, hey, look, I know where you're coming from, you know. And uh, so she, you know, she's throwing him all kind of cold pricklies. You know, who do you think you are? You know, you're a Jew. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Samaritan, and all that. But he, uh, he gets to the core issues. And and the thing that's amazing about the woman at the well is, at the the deepest part of her longings, the deepest part of she was really longing for the coming of the Messiah to straighten yeah. everything out. You would never guess that to, to see your lifestyle. You know. Wow. And. Uh, yeah, and that's the kind of thing that I, I see things like that. Uh, I see how Jesus uh, uses uh, appropriate uh, paradigms. Uh, sometimes he'll 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 explode your paradigm like he did with Nicodemus. You got to be born again. What? You know what do you mean? But that he had to, he had to clear the air so he can think right. But um, I, I I think I think that's what it is. You really you really have to study the person, you know, uh, you know, what their context is, what their situation is, and, uh, and prayerfully begin to do that. You, you know, you, 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 these stories that are in the Bible, now when I say stories, I don't mean that they're fairy tales. I mean, they're actual, <laughs> they're actual history. But, but a lot of times I, I, I use uh, the, the narratives of scripture. And, and yes. apply those really and really 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 makes a difference uh, to folks and they, they find out and say hey there's somebody like me in the bible maybe god does have something to say to me you know mm. um and uh, so uh but this whole idea of when it's like i don't know I, i'm a bit of a pilot right and uh you know i you know i told you told you this my, my dad taught me how to fly when i was 11. Yeah. so uh, he, he was a tuskegee airman right so so uh, so it's just like you got you got this this the system in the 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 uh, ILS the instrument instrument landing system that everybody's got to come in on the same path right but then you got the new one out coming from different angles and the computer figures out what your spacing is I think we need to uh, we need to do the, the the new the microwave landing system whatever that is yeah we need to do that kind of because people come at the gospel 
all kind of ways. It's like, you know, people say uh, there's only one way to God, but there right. are many ways to Jesus. You know, see, so. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and so it's just a matter of, uh, you yeah. know, it's yeah. just like we like to line people up and get them to talk. I, I, I hear people say this all the time. Oh, we, we talked for two hours. I couldn't get them to talk about spiritual things. Well, the, the, what? The, everything is spiritual one way or the other. You know what I mean? And uh, so we have to uh, we have to study their situation, their context, and you got to know your Bible well enough that you can apply it directly. You know, direct yeah, things. You know, right. Sometimes, sometimes I I actually speak scripture to somebody. I don't even tell them what the address is. Oh yeah. You know, it's, it's a like funny what? thing. If I tell them, oh, Second Corinthians two point five, it's oh, that's that's the Bible. You know, <laughs> but uh, but but if I just say it to them, they say, oh yeah, that's that that's deep. <laughs> yeah. No, it's beautiful, man. And and what you're saying is great because it's it's the difference between it's the difference between me take presenting the gospel in a way where it's like this is what it is and you have to fit into this it's the difference right. between that and me presenting the gospel to you in a way where you can actually see yourself in that's right god's story and in order to do that i have to be willing to kind of get down on your level and i have to be willing to acknowledge you that's why i loved how you said starting with their uh core values or maybe something that yeah. they're struggling with or something that they need because the gospel is good news but it's got to be right. good news for every person not just good news for a certain kind of person and so you know we've got to we've got to find these ways that's why i love what you're saying to present the gospel in a way where it's attractive to people and i i think right. if i remember correctly you um you mentioned last time you were on about how you were essentially presented the gospel in this way at, you know, from a, as a kid, I think even you presented the yeah. gospel in this way where it was like, well, you're a sinner and you got to get right. And it's all this kind of stuff. But then when you stumbled upon Islam, it was like, they affirmed you as a person and they said, you it have, wasn't Islam. And you have, it wasn't, it wasn't Islam. It was Malcolm X. Oh, that's I'm who, sorry. I'm sorry. Thank you. Yeah. He, he, He's the one who set me up to hear the gospel. That's what he Thank did. You. He told me that I was of great value, uh, noble and all that. And I said, okay, but then I couldn't live up to that. And I said, why can't I live up to that? It's because of sin. That's what it was. Yeah, it yeah. was Malcolm. Now, I never would have heard that from his life itself. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you for correcting me. I, um, yeah, and, and, it's not to, and, it's, and it's not saying to present the gospel in, in an attractive <clears throat> way, as I'm saying, I'm not saying that we water it down. I'm not saying no. that we take the truth out of it, to take the truth that you do have to, uh, you know, that you you are a sinner, you are separated from God. Like, I'm not saying that. It's just how do we go about it? Because we, we've got to dignify the, the person um, so to the extent where they can see that this applies to me. This is not a, a white man's religion. This is not a right. whatever kind of religion. Like, this is, this is God coming out of heaven coming to this earth and suffering and dying for me because he loved me that much right. and I don't deserve it, you know, right. anyway. Right. And so, yeah, I, yeah. I, I thought that, that was a, you know, very, very, you know, very you know, I, uh, helpful. How you said that. I hear people say, all you got to do is preach the gospel. I, I hear that all the time. And I, I, yeah. I completely agree with that. I completely yeah. agree with that. But the problem is 
what do you think the gospel is? You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like, like uh, this this whole business about just just getting your uh, passport from he- hell to heaven. You know, that's right. I mean, that's uh, hey, I'll take it. You know, but that was so it. That's a, that's good enough, right? <laughs> right, 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 right. So it's a, yeah. So the, the gospel itself was a very very powerful thing, as you say. It yeah. is good news. And by the way, it is really really good news to everybody. If you if you well, let's put it this way: if you are just absolutely died in the wool against God and all that, then, then it may not be good news for you. But mm-hmm. but anybody who has a longing to see, right? I mean, people people fight for justice. People fight for equality. People you know yeah. people know there's something wrong, and they're fighting to make things right. But they don't understand that the source of their sense of rightness is God Himself. Yeah, and uh, uh, and that's that's the key. You know, you yeah. You know, so, so they, in a sense, they already know God. Everybody knows God in one one way or the other. You know what I mean? Uh, not a, not, they don't. Not everybody has a saving knowledge of God, but everybody knows God. It was matter of fact, Romans two, uh, like fourteen, fifteen, somewhere along there. It says people who never even had the Bible. You know, even they they have a sense of of uh, the, the, there's an ethical thing again. They, they have a sense of what's right and what's wrong, and and uh, because God put it in in us. You know, we're in His image. So that we use that to our, I use that, you know, use use that yeah, that to our advantage. You know, I mean, we know this, and uh, and sometimes people people are so fed up with religion. I mean, I, I gosh, I've run into so many people who have what I call church hurt. You know, it's it's sad to see that. Um, uh, you know, very sad to see that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah. Dr. Carl Ellis, I really appreciate you. I appreciate your time. And um, man, this has been so informative. And I, I just, <laughs> I want to say like, if I ha- happen to uh, say anything that sounded remotely intelligent, I, I probably got it from your book. <laughs> I probably got it from, from you know, ha- hanging out with you a little bit like this and, and hearing the way that you um, approach these these concepts and talk about things. And uh, I just appreciate it so much. I think it's so helpful. I think it's so needed. I think that, um, man, I'm I'm excited about your uh, your new uh, books coming out. And I, I think I probably told you this last time, but just in case I didn't, I, I think that your um, your your book Free at Last, uh, along with your other writings as well, but um, in particular, you know, Free at Last, I think it's such a gift to the body of Christ. And so I'm, I'm just really excited for. Do you have a a a framework do you know any idea of when your your these books might be coming uh, i've out? been i've been so much i haven't talked to my agent um he's been shopping them around i, I it's probably piled up i'm trying to you know like i said i've been in cuba for a while and i i just uh I, you know i was there's no internet access yeah. so yeah i, I got a yeah. thousand emails piled up that i'm going through so i probably heard yeah. from something from my that i don't know yet you know, so <laughs> Well, in the midst yeah. of all that, I appreciate you getting back to me and uh, and making time right. for me today. Um, I got to ask you one question, man. It's it's burning yeah. in my brain, and it's 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 nothing. Uh, well, anyway, what are your thoughts on um, on that statue, <laughs> the Martin Luther King statue? I I saw a picture of it. I can't make out. I can't make out what it is. I I, I think okay. I, I I know what it is, but it doesn't. You know, I say, I, you know, I say, I don't, I don't, wanna, I don't have dirty thoughts here, but yeah, I, uh, I, 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 I it's hard I not to, it's hard not to, to be honest with you. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't, uh, you know, 
I mean, I you know, I don't I don't appreciate stuff like that. I just don't. Um, yeah. Look, he had his he had his issues and stuff like that, but God used him in a in a in a mighty way. Uh, yeah. I mean, look, Absolutely. God used Samson. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I I, I uh, yeah I don't I have to I have to see that thing. I what the picture that I saw, but I couldn't quite make out what it was unless I got into a vulgar way of thinking and I thought right yeah Yeah, no it's not it's not uh you know it's it's basically it's it's commemorating this uh kind of iconic photo of uh Martin Luther King Jr. and and his and his wife uh Coretta Scott King embracing one another um you know and it's this iconic photo is taken from that but what they did was they just took the arms basically it's like the embrace of the arms and so it's this gigantic thing. You can walk underneath it and there's elements of wow. it. There's elements of it that are beautiful. I think, yeah. um, I think the way that it was cast, the colors of it, you know, I, I think that there's elements of it that are, that are beautiful. They tried to, I think, do something kind of abstract and artsy and, and commemorate that moment. But it's just like, if you didn't know, like if you hadn't seen that photo, like you have no idea what it is. It, it's, yeah. I'll, I tell you what, I'll, 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 I'll do some research on it. I'll, I'll see. I'll see if I can get a better angle on it or something. Remember, I've only just. I only saw it on the the news when we first got back. You know. So. Yeah. 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 It was very recent. I think it was just yeah about a week ago yeah. or something like that. Right. Right. Where let's uh, let's point some people in a direction, a couple of directions maybe, where they can go and find out uh, some stuff. Particularly, I, I'd love it if you would. We did this last time, but if you would mention um, the uh, the Edmiston Center. Um, yes. And uh, just talk a little bit about that and what it's all about and how people can find it and all of that. Okay. The Edmondson Center is, uh, it's a, it's a uh, kind of a, a little institute uh, associated with uh, Reformed Seminary. Okay. It, it has, it's, a, it's, it has its own, uh, well, we have our own little curriculum. Okay. It's a 10 hour curriculum. Right. And, uh, and we look at, we look at the church in, in, in difficult places, okay? So whether we're talking about, you know, contemporary or his, history, you know, if we look in history in this country, if we look at the African-American church, it was persecuted by the establishment church, you know what I'm saying? But if you look at the church in Iran, the church in China, the church in Afghanistan, the church in Egypt, other places like that, you see that they're in a, in a, in a, in a pinch, they're in a difficult situation, they're under a lot of pressure. And the point that we make is that when, when, when you read your Bible, uh, just about the whole time, the people of God have always been in, 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 diff- in difficult places, uh, subject to pressure, hostility, persecution, and things like that. That's normal. That's, that's, you know, the problem with the American church is that we tend to think of ourselves as the establishment. <clears throat> the point is that we have to be connected with the body of Christ in other places. That's one of the reasons why we're in Cuba, you know. Uh, there's, a, there's a growing church there. It's amazing, you know. Um, and yet, still, so they're under a lot of difficulties. Um, the, uh, uh, the, uh, the, the thing is that as we look at the churches in these difficult places, we're looking at our own future. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if in within say 50 years uh uh the church would be under tremendous pressure right here i mean yes. you know i can already already tell you that uh 
you know, churches will lose their 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 tax exempt status. Uh, yeah, I you know I can tell you that right now. I mean that's you know it's, it's going to happen because mm-hmm. um, we don't go along with certain things. Uh, and of course, there will be some churches that, that that will go along with it. You know, I mean, there will sure. be some approved churches and some non-approved churches. Um, but that's our future too. And so we need to, we need to learn from our brothers and sisters who are under a lot of pressure, under a lot of difficulty, because they wow. give us tremendous wisdom. They can give us tremendous wisdom. So that's kind of what we look at. Look at human rights. We look at world Christianity. We look at. Uh, uh, Christianity as a cultural minority, you know, most American Christians don't realize that they're a cultural minority. If if you wow. follow Jesus, you are a minority in this country, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's increasingly becoming more hostile. You know, um, we look at uh, models of leadership like <clears throat> like Daniel. Here here was a here was a, a a minority in a superpower. So how do you and, and, and he you know advanced a lot. So what are some of the things that he had to face? You know, what are some of the pressures? Yeah. You know, um, uh, things like that. Uh, we look at uh, Nehemiah, who who is who is who, who who comes to a group of people who are just totally demoralized and, and all that, and how he empowers them. You know, how he is not just building the wall, but he actually empowered them. Um, uh, just tremendous wisdom that we pick up from that. So we. We teach on those kinds of things. And of course, if you come to the uh, Edmondson Center, um, it's five two hour courses, right? Come to the Edmondson Center. You you don't you don't you don't need a a um, a bachelor's to come, you know. Uh, but here's the deal. If you come and you take the courses, then you somehow you get the, the vision, hey, I want to go on and pursue a, a master's. If you decide to do that, that all the the stuff, all the work you did in the Edison Center will transfer over to toward your 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 masters. That's great. So that's that's a that's a neat kind of thing. We named it we named it after uh, uh, Althea and um, oh, gosh, I, well the the Edmistons, the, the uh, uh, this couple that did a remarkable work over in uh, Con- Congo. And uh, they did it. They were one generation away from slavery, and they did some remarkable stuff. Like, for example, they 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 they, they uh, mm. created a, a grammar book, a grammar from some, uh, a couple of the native languages there, and all that. They translated scripture into those things. I mean, it was it was it was remarkable. So, anyway, that's that's that, that's what we're looking at. We're looking at we're yeah. looking at that. That's awesome. Alon- Alonzo, I think, is uh, Alonzo. Alonzo and Alfredo. Yeah. Um, do you and uh, and your wife is the director, correct? She's the director, right? Right. right. Yeah. Very cool. I love it. Yeah. So the uh, the uh, web address is there uh, on the screen for anybody watching. It's just edmistoncenter.org. Edmiston for anybody just listening is e d m i s t o n center.org and uh, check that out to see what's offered. Yeah, it's a really beautiful website. And if they don't remember this, go, go on the RTS Atlanta website, and then there okay. will be a, a, a connection there. So, so we're we're part of the Atlanta campus. Okay, beautiful. And uh, don't forget to check out the book "Free at Last," um, and if you haven't done so already. And then, uh, yeah, and and Carl will just um, oh, as as soon as I hear that your uh, new new books are. Are out for for public consumption. I'll be sure and uh, share those out and uh, reference those okay. in any way that I can okay. as well. I'm excited for, okay. for that for what God's going to do through it. Amen. Um, well, this thank you everybody good. for 
Yeah, yeah, man. I again, let me just say, I, I appreciate you. I appreciate your time. I didn't get to all the questions that I had, as you probably noticed, but I, uh, you know, we we can we can come back at a, at a later date and get to some more stuff. I. Uh, I just I really felt like the way that you kind of rounded out the discussion here, it, it just seemed like a good place to to wrap things up for now. But uh, but I've got so much more stuff swirling around in my head that I'd <laughs> love to dive in with you more in the future if uh, if you're down for it. Uh, but okay. But yeah. Um, Sounds good, thank man. you, everybody, for checking out this episode. Appreciate you guys as well. Um, if it, uh, blessed you or encouraged you or challenged you to maybe think differently or something like that, I would just uh, invite you to share it with somebody that you think could benefit from listening as well. If you benefit for sure, there's other people that could benefit from hearing it too. And I just appreciate you guys very much. Dr. Carl, uh, thank you again, sir. You got it, my brother. Bye everybody.